Hello and welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. And we're on episode number 54 today, which is amazing. Uh, it's myself, Mark, and I'm joined today by the by the awesome Jade. Hello, I'm happy to be here again. I love recording these podcasts. Yeah, you should do more of them. We need to get more, more of you telling stories on them as well. Uh, but today we have Deirdre telling us a story, so we'll get you, we'll get you in on another one of them soon. Uh, but you're, you're, you are a, a podcast aficionado. Like you consume <laughs> a lot of podcasts. Would that be fair yes, to say? Yes, podcast fanatic. I was a fan of this podcast. And now I'm on it, so it's weird. Yeah, I used to listen to the episodes with Deirdre on them. And now I'm doing it as part of my job. Yeah, and it was just me, Deirdre, Paddy, and Eleanor for such a long time doing the doing the podcast. Did you listen to the Where the Stories Begin podcast yeah. that we did? Yeah, I still listen to it now if I'm looking for new stories. Yeah, I don't like the format of it as much. I like it. Um, I think I prefer it. Oh, okay. <laughs> damn! But I don't even like anything, so I have to leave that in this podcast. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, if you our podcasts aside, if you could be on any podcast, what podcast would you like to be a guest on? Candlelit Tales, probably. Candlelit Tales. Yeah. You're sti- with, with, even like literally any podcast at all, and you go Candlelit Tales. You're sticking in the same kind of vein. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you give them a show? And demand, Maybe. make demands. So you can start throwing your weight around. <laughs> I think of me. Have you listened to the um, Off Menu podcast? I think so. No. Uh, it's James A. Castor and Ed Gamble do it, and it's absolutely brilliant. They bring you in, and you can listen. You can list off your dream menu, which is like a starter, a main, mm-hmm. your drink and dessert, uh, and if you want tap water or bottled water. <laughs> And some people go on, and because it's like completely imaginary, you can say like, oh, I want it from this particular stream in the Highlands or <laughs> melted glacier water. And they just describe the food incredibly. And it's a real kind of insight into the person's life. But Sister Michael from Terry Girls oh, really? just did an episode <laughs> where she talks about how she broke her leg on, on set. Uh, I definitely recommend that as a podcast, both to you, Jade, and to everyone listening. Uh, I suppose we're on we're on the Talking Stories podcast, so we should talk stories. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we're talking about food in this story as well, so it wasn't a bad transition. No, no, it, it is. It's quite relevant because uh, <laughs> it is a famous story that Deirdre's doing for us today. Yeah. And I like when Deirdre kind of gives me something I'm not expecting. Mm-hmm. With Deirdre, I'm usually expecting, similar to yourself, you have a very similar taste in stories. I think so. You tend yeah. to go for the watery the miserable, you know what I mean? Um, those kind of stories. So she's thrown a Fina one at us, Nafina, mm-hmm. uh, but not even a standard Fina story. It's like, come on. And I won't, I won't mention his nickname because we'll find it out by listening to the story. But with the Fina stories, they do tend to be good, like kind of like hunting stories and feast stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the way for me that they traverse between the world we inhabit and we know and the fairy world. Yeah. 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 Well then we get in and have a listen to this and then talk and pull it apart afterwards and criticise Deirdre as much as we can. Sounds good. <laughs> We're so mean. <laughs> well, guys, listen, uh, enjoy the story and we'll be back on the other side. Fionn McCool of Nafina, our most celebrated leader and warrior of this country. With his great thumb-sucking abilities, he always gets the spotlight in many of these stories. 
but some do forget of the other characters you'd meet on the adventures of Nafiana. People like Keelch and McRonan, the fastest runner in all of Ireland. He could run throughout a forest without breaking a single twig. And another? Conan Whale. He was nicknamed Conan the Baldy, for he did not have a single hair on his head. But Conan, I think we all have a friend like him. That kind of person who will watch you eat your dinner just to see what scraps they can take from your plate. The kind of person who will ask you to go and buy a bag of chips and they'll eat all the food on you. So you're left with an empty tummy and an empty purse at the end of the day. You know, a real lech of a person. Well, one night, these three friends decided to leave their fort in Kildare and head out for a hunt. So they began to march down to the woods, into the forests. But all they could hear was the constant sound of Conan. Fionn! Please, can we not just go rest a while? Fionn! My feet are really tired. Can we not just go find shelter? Now Kielce had enough of Conan complaining like a grown baby. So he decided to run free into the woods to find animals, for they'd be far better company that night leaving Fionn to take care of Conan. Now, thankfully, our hero, he finds a cottage, and it's unguarded great. On the outside, it's fallen apart, it's derelict, but the inside, it is beautiful. There is gold everywhere, tapestries on the walls, full of symbols Fionn had never seen before, and in front of them, was a table so large and covered in food it could feed their army twice over. Lamb chops, chicken, a full cow at the end of the table, and one empty chair. And that's where Conan sat down. He began to gorge in all of the free food, drank wine and mead. But Fionn our hero wasn't bothered by the food. He was trying to make sense of all the symbols. What did they mean? They have travelled through the five great provinces of Ireland, but never seen symbols like this before. But the longer he studied the symbols behind him, there was noises. Grunts, growls and belches. He turned around to see that Conan is after breaking the legs of the table so all the food would fall straight into his lap. And as Fionn turned to give out to Conan for making all of this mess, he stopped. He realized something. Fionn could move his arms, move his hips, but he could not move his feet. The more the man tried to move, the more his feet were stuck to the ground. He screams, Conan, Conan, get off your behind, get out of that chair and help me, I can't move. Now Conan, he tries, inch by inch forward out of the chair. But the more he moves out, the more he's sucked back in by the seat. And for most people, you might start to panic, but not our Conan. Oh, he was in a comfy chair with all that free food in front of him. He was happy out. But Fionn panicked. And any time that Fionn would panic, he would always have the answer on his fingertips. 
He sucked on his thumb where the magical burn was and remembered Kielce. Kielce is still free outside. He calls out for his friend next to the open window. And when Kielce hears the cry of his great leader, he answers, Conan and Fionn, you're acting like a pair of Amadans, great fools. What have you done? You've walked inside of the fairies' world uninvited. You have taken their food, but you've not given anything in return. Now they'll want something from you. And when the men of Nafina heard of this curse, that world of beauty and gold, it changed. Oh, the tapestries on the walls, now falling like cobwebs. And all the food that Conan was eating had now turned to mould and rot. And I hope you never see a rotting cow carcass. But Conan is the only man who thinks that's edible. But as this nightmare went on, Fionn begged Kielce, Please, my friend, please, can you use the power of your legs and find for us the closest well? Because once the magical burn on my thumb touches well water, it turns it healing. You are only hope to break free from this awful, awful place. Now Kielce did not have a cup, a chalice or even a bucket to his name. What he used were his hands. He carried water from the nearest well, passed it through the open window where Fionn could accept. Fionn placed his thumb inside and threw this magic water at his feet, stepping free from the fairy curse. Then they turned to Conan. He still stuck in the chair, and the water that remained in Fionn's fingers had trickled through and there was nothing left. He cries, Kielce, Kielce, my friend, please come inside. You take Conan's wrist and I'll take the other one. And after the count of three, follow me. One, two, three, pull! And they pulled Conan straight from the chair. He flew over the table of rotting food. But what they saw when that man landed face first on the ground, they were horrified. For yes, they had freed him out of his chair, but ripped him out of his very own skin as well. His spine muscles all exposed to the world. And Fionn, feeling so sorry for his friend in great pain, finds a sheep outside. He pulls the sheepskin straight from the animal and places it on his friend's exposed back, where the human and animal skin form into one. And from that day, Conan Whale was gifted a new name. No longer a part of the fairy world, but now a changed man. For he was now called Conan of the Woolly Back. And when it comes to stories of legends, this was the story of the hairiest member of Nafina. There's also a small lesson. Ash, if you're going to be friends with someone who's constantly stealing food on you, just make sure you don't have to shave their hairy back at the same time. You know, it's a life lesson about choosing your friends wisely. And there we have it, that's Deirdre's telling of Conan of the Woolly Back. I love her little... Um, 
message or moral in the story, but how did you find that story? <laughs> I mean, well, it's a true statement. It's very um, specific. <laughs> it's very specific. Like, if you're going to choose your friends, don't oh, choose yeah. one who, what is it, who... You have to shave their back. Yeah, and they eat all your food and you have to shave their back, which is like... I want to ask Deirdre about that, because obviously she has some type of experience or, or something. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. A, there's a story in that. I think there's more <laughs> insight into Deirdre's life than than anything else. Um, but it is nice to hear a different kind of Fianna story, you know, and be introduced to different characters. Not for us. We know the characters. But I'm sure for you guys listening, it's nice to hear us not going on about the same like kind of people yeah. constantly. Um, cause you do have them reoccurring in a lot of the stories. Yeah. Uh, the Dearman and Grania story, the pursuit of Dearman and Grania, is great for kind of like just mentioning like the full roster almost, you know. Um, but that's a big epic tale to try and cover. Which I try to do. <laughs> yeah, it's big. Do you think you'd be able to record it for a podcast? Sure, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, that's quite a challenge. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I probably shouldn't be on that episode of podcast, so I have so many issues with Grania. In hindsight, that was a very risky one to do for my interview. I didn't know yeah, at the time. Yeah, no, it, it was, <laughs> and it was, it was big, it was long, but it's, it's a great story, like. Yeah. There was just so much into it. To me, it's like, I would say it's like the town. It's not quite as big as, as that, but. Um, Who's your favourite member of the FINA? Quilchin. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Who gets like, you know, he, he, he's kind of the hero in this story, but Quilch McGronon, for me, is just, he's the closest thing to a superhero that they have. Yeah. Like, they have people, like, who can shout really loud. And so, like, <laughs> this guy can run, he's like the Flash. Yeah. You know? I like the way it said he'd never, like, snap a twig when he's running through the forest. He's just that quick. And so, like, yeah. light-footed. Yeah. And he's just, also, I, we were talking about this earlier on, but, uh, and a spoiler alert uh, for people listening to this, the, the, the Vina die. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed the idea that Fionn McCool is, uh, is, is asleep in the hills, you know, literally inside a mountain, waiting for the time when Ireland needs him again. I mean, what has to happen in Ireland for Fionn McCool to get off his arse? It's not like we haven't been through our struggles in the last yeah. while. But ignoring the fact that Fionn's meant to still be alive, um, we know that his son, Oisín, goes off to Tirnanog, fecks off for... 300 years so when he comes back everyone's gone mm-hmm. but in the time between that um Oshin misses out on the final great battle where we see oscar his his Oshin's son gets killed and they all basically get killed but it's quilter macaronon that survives and lives out his life lives out his days as an old man happily married yeah. which he's just a real normal bloke yeah i can imagine him like you know as a granddad telling all these these wild stories and his, grand, yeah. and his grandchildren like, yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're part of the Fiona. <laughs> yeah, they, they say the stories wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for Oshin being the great kind of like poet and scholar that he was. In his dying days, he shared all the stories. But I'd say Quailcher was out there telling everyone who yeah. would listen to his great adventures. But Conan, or Conan of the, the Woolly Back, I think there's someone like that in every group of friends. Or, 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 or I don't know, is there? Not that, not that gender's a thing anymore. And I, while I understand that, like my group of, of our friends, of guys growing up, there was definitely that guy who just would like wait until you were almost finished your, your lunch. And be like, are you going to finish that? Is there is there an yeah. equivalent in within female groups? Yes, there is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you just outing yourself there now <laughs> where you're saying or did someone very specific come to mind? I remember there was a girl in secondary school that was awful for that. Yeah. 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 So it definitely goes, you know, it um you know, 
know, any gender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like the way she kind of draws you in. Like, we all know this person. You yeah. Know? It, she kind of makes you relate to a story that is so fantastical. Yeah, because the characters aren't that different. And it's one of the things I love about her mythology is they are regular people. Like we say, they live and they die. So it is very easy to buy into them, mm-hmm. especially when you have someone like Deirdre describing them to you. You know what I mean? It's I feel like I'm listening to my mum's friend when I listen to which is strange considering how much older than Deirdre I am. But she just has this warmth about her that brings you in with her storytelling. Mm, I agree. I can't do that. I absolutely like her. And that's like when I'm looking at you guys coming in, you know, and you are telling your stories and auditioning for it. I always look for things that the museum is missing. Um, and I think okay that's something that we'd like to have like on the menu almost you know yeah uh, I you have a different a different style though than Deirdre because Deirdre kind of says it in a way that kind of draws you in kind of um like almost hypnotizes you a little bit yeah. whereas you like tell a story as if you're telling it like in the pub you know as if it's like yeah. something that like you witnessed or you know yeah and I, I didn't used to tell stories like that it became a very conscious thing to do because I wanted it to be accessible mm. You know what I mean? I don't go too airy-fairy. Like, I can if I have to. Yeah. And there has been occasions where I've needed to. But I, for me, it's all about the accessibility of the stories. Mm. But Deirdre does that as well. And it's like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> I love you, Deirdre. But at the same time, like, she just, just has this way. How she describes even the fact that they're in the fairy world and the descriptions of, of Conan breaking the legs of the table. Yeah. So that the food rolls down towards <laughs> him. It's so easy to picture it. Yeah. Um, but that change when they realise that they're in the fairy world. You know what I mean? That's... The symbols that Fionn yeah, couldn't recognise. Yeah, couldn't recognise. Like kind of, but you're not kind of questioning it too much. It's almost like you're you're bewitched and you can't think straight. Like you're in a fog. Yeah, kind of like Hansel and Gretel and they go into the, the house yeah. of sweets. Or, or in Labyrinth, to make it 80s again, as, as, as I tend to do uh, in the movie Labyrinth, there is this thing where she's trying to kind of latch on to memories from this world. And she's being consciously stopped from doing that. But it's the voice of Quilter McRonan outside of the house, roaring into them, that's kind of tethering them to, to this world. Yeah. But there is a lot of great stories where we see kind of that crossover between this world and the next. Mm-hmm. Um. A lot of stories kind of inhabit this world where the other world people have come over here. Yeah. When you see like a reanimated corpse, like in Tygo Cain and the corpse. Yeah. It all happens on this realm, on this plane. But the the Fina going across into the other world. Do you know the story where the Fina are out hunting one night and they go to this house and it ends up being time and death. They have to wrestle with a, a ram, oh. with a sheep. It's one of Tom, uh, one of Tom's great stories to tell. Nisha does a really good job of it as well. What's it called? I can't think of the name of it. I actually have a video of Tom telling it, and I think it might be on our YouTube channel. So um, I'll have to send you a link for you to look at that. But it's it's a really interesting story with a very clear cut moral in the end. It's how like you can't overcome time, even death and life succumb to to yeah. time. But yeah, they're they're basically wrestling a sheep in a house. And there's a black cat and an old man and a beautiful young woman, uh, as, as there always as there always is. Uh, the thing of not eating food when you go into the fairy world. Oh, devastating. Isn't it's, it's, always, it's always described as so delicious. Yeah, <laughs> I think like you'd want that. Like if they yeah. offered me anything when I went over there, I would absolutely have it away. Yeah. Like that would be my thing. Like the description of the suppers 
that they have, especially in tales like um, was it Douglas Hyde collected the one, the fairy dance, where the woman goes into the other world and she's sitting at the table and one of the servers just whispers in her ear, don't eat the food. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but you would. And it's being told you can't eat it as well. That makes it all that enchanting. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't tell me what I can't have. <laughs> that makes me want it even more. Uh, what would be in your perfect, given that we were talking about food on the Off Menu podcast, you go into the fairy world, they've, because they know what you want. Yeah. They have this insight into you. What's laid out on the table for you, Jade? Um, definitely a lot of sweet food. I'm definitely more a sweet food person. Than savoury. You know, than savoury. So yeah. like a lot of like chocolate biscuit cake, yeah. meringue, you know. Oh, meringue, yeah. yeah. Donuts, you know. Where does eating mess sit for you in terms of desserts? Oh, top. Like, top tier. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. are always surprised by me like eating mess because there's no chocolate in it. <laughs> um, but eating mess is top tier dessert. Yeah. So, so you're, all sweet stuff is your thing. Yeah. And yet I look like this and you look like that. <laughs> does that seem fair? <laughs> I don't I don't think it does. But then what are you washing it all down with though? Because like, you strike me as being classier to me and not just having like a pint of Diet Coke. Um, let me see, maybe a good milkshake. Oh, good milkshake. Know, yeah. Um, maybe a nice little cocktail. Yeah. You know, I feel, yeah. I feel like the, the, the um, fairies could make really good cocktails. Oh, I'd say they would. Yeah. I'd say they'd put on like a decent... I think it'd be worth it. Like, yeah. what's the actual punishment? You have to stay there forever. <laughs> oh, and eat the nice food forever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that sounds <laughs> awful, that does. But I feel like, imagine all the flavours they have that we don't have and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just, everything would taste sweeter and taste fresher and yeah. better. So back coming back coming back to the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we are discussing the story. They're in such a panic to get out of the other world. You know what I mean? And they're stuck in the seat. And when she was describing, you know, uh, Cunon making his way out of the chair, only to be sucked back into it. <laughs> That's how I feel sometimes. That's how I feel getting out of bed in yeah. the morning. It's just like give into it. Just, just, just. You know, I know we all have things, and we're all grown ups, and there's things that we need to get done, but. It. Can you not just like be late for work and say the fairies <laughs> never actually no one who's ever worked here has ever blamed the fairies for being late <laughs> which I think is amazing but um, they seem to be under this you know this pressure to get out from the fairy world to the point where he loses all the skin off his back yeah I think it's that thing where like you know everything seems perfect but too perfect and you know it's a bit unsettling you know oh, I think I'd be okay with that <laughs> Again, food, Jade. <laughs> food. I think I'm going to be very okay in, in that situation. I know they say when they realise the food is all rotted. Yeah. Um, but it's that thing of ignorance is bliss. So if they never complained, if they never noticed, would everything have just been fine for them? Would they have gotten food poisoning? So eating this rotting food? Would it matter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I, I, I just think I would be okay with it. But of course, they're not okay with it. And, and they do manage to escape. As I say, they're tethered by, by Quilch McRonan. But with him losing the skin off his back, cut off. Mm-hmm. And she describes how like the muscles around his spine are exposed. I like how you mentioned that like other storytellers would tell the story completely different and quite gruesome, but then yeah. she still makes it like lighthearted and almost kind of like funny as well. Yeah, like Potty would tell that for like for Darkland for the over 18s tours. Yeah. And it would be quite gruesome. Um 
but Deirdre just puts it in such a way where I'd have no problem like my children listening to that story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the fact that they go out and just tear the skin off a sheep. Which when you think about it is awful. It's like, oh no, but he's suffering, so let's just kill this poor sheep. Um and he just like lashed the, the four on his back. Uh it was weird when I first heard she was doing this story, it actually took me back to our first field trip that we ever had in the museum. Um which was 2011. What were you doing in 2011, Jade? I was starting secondary school as in first year. Wow. <laughs> well, while you were doing that, um, oh my God. <laughs> no, but it wouldn't be because it was in spring of that year. So you would have been like finishing up primary school. Oh my gosh. And we went off on our first field trip. <laughs> and I remember it was myself, Tom, of course, uh, Isha, um, it would, what, what makes me think Eita immediately was we went to the Curra in Kildare and we went to Donnie's, Donnie's Hollow uh, where he used to do like the bare knuckle fighting and we reenacted the Salmon of Knowledge there where we all played different parts <laughs> which was very funny and we were throwing uh, sheep poo at each other from the ground <laughs> um, that's not relevant to the story <laughs> but that's what we were doing but when we raced across the Curra um, we had a thing called the FINA Olympics and we were all given characters and magical powers <laughs> and I was given the character of Conan of the, of the hairy back as he's known in some versions of the stories which they thought was funny because I am quite a hairy gentleman um, but yet yeah, it gave me that power and how they signified that that's who I was was they stuck Velcro onto the back of my jacket <laughs> <laughs> but I can't remember what my special power was I think it was basically that I could eat everything around me, which nice. again, I felt slightly victimized <laughs> by it. But it was an amazing field trip and it was a great way to learn about the stories. I think yeah. it was actually the first time I heard the story of Cut On of the Hairy Back. We should do something like that again. Oh, we need more field trips anyway. Yeah. Uh, I know we're going to do one in the next few weeks. We're going to keep it kind of local, but uh, we need to start getting out and about again. Have you, you've been on field trips? Went on one. Where was that one to? Went to the gallery. That's not... Okay, I have to say it's field trip so you feel like you've been on one. <laughs> but I personally wouldn't count that. We need to be out on a proper field yeah. trip where we drag you up a mountain <laughs> or we get our feet wet in a river. Um, were you here for the beach day? No. I do forget that was just how, before I got hired, yeah. I, I keep forgetting how new yourself yeah, and... It's almost funny. a year, though. Is almost a year, yeah. Because I still think of as Brendan as being brand spanking new. Yeah. But because you're cl you're racking up the hours, the storyteller hours, like you're <laughs> you're further along. Um, I don't think about it. The fact that it's only been a year since you've been in. Yeah. So how's it feel then for you when like let's say CC joins then, like when you've got those newer storytellers coming in and you're no longer. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> no, no, no longer like. The, no, but it makes me the, feel like because you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna be good now. CC's like shadowing me, so I gotta. You know. Yeah, you know. You, okay, so you're feeling them <laughs> hot on your heels when they're yeah. coming in. Yeah, yeah. Hearing them all in these stories, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, got, I gotta learn some new ones as well. You know. Yeah, but that's it, it's always been like a fairly healthy, competitive kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad way. Yeah. But it's nice when we learn stuff from each other. Yeah, that's where I learn most stuff. Yeah, you'll hear like some I ask everyone, about it. I ask everyone hypothetical, very specific questions about yeah. Irish folklore, and people are always like, "April Hunter." Never ask me yeah. questions. You're just afraid well, of me, me, me and Sfar talking about if eating a leprechaun would be cannibalism. Somebody asked them that on the tour. And we both agreed that it wouldn't be. Wouldn't? Yeah. Why not? 
Well, because they're different species. I know they're kind of viewed as equal to humans, but they're not quite a, a human just shrunken down. See, to me, they're because they are sentient, they communicate, they wear clothes, they have a society, all of those things, to me, they are a people. That's why I don't like the idea of leprechaun traps and all that. But you and Fawn think it's okay to eat them. That's quite unsettling, Jay. I'm suddenly very aware that it's just the two of us here recording the podcast, <laughs> and I feel like sending a message to let people know. Is it know because they can physically look like a human? Like they would have arms and legs. Like if an animal would, if an animal could speak, would you feel bad about eating them? I don't know. I look at just kind of what makes us humans. Let's say then, a, a, a people. You know what defines us as a people that makes it not okay to eat a person. Actually, I better check with you. <laughs> How were you still on actual human cannibalism? <laughs> um, yeah, not my thing. Not not your thing. I did very enjoy Fresh, though. Okay. I really enjoyed okay. that movie. I thought that was quite cool. Right. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I only eat chicken. I don't even eat red meat, so okay. I, don't, I don't think I would. Yeah, I don't so when, when, when we're, you know, listening to Deirdre tell that story, you're not, like, looking at Conan and thinking, mm, barbecue. No, like, not particularly. Okay. Yeah, but if I was in some type of life or death situation, you know. Yeah, I literally don't know what I can ask that's suitable to be on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've got to cut that bit out. <laughs> no, again, I refuse to edit this at all. No. But it does, you know, it, it, you know, it's always nice on a bizarre note to kind of, like, end the podcast. So... So, yeah, we've had us talking about ending on, on cannibalism <laughs> and, and how leprechauns aren't people. But we obviously we've, we've opposing views on that. And, and that's OK. Yeah, that's OK. It's OK to not agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I literally don't know where to go. With this there, Jane. <laughs> no. I think what's left to do is to thank Deirdre in her absence for that amazing story. Yeah. And for giving us the opportunity and, and the avenues to go off and have these weird conversations. Uh, thank you, Jade, of course, to you for coming in. We're going to have to get you telling a story yeah. on a podcast then very, very soon. Uh, so brush up on your Dearman and Grania. Yeah. And, and thank you, of course, to those of you that are listening to us. Just remember, this is episode number 54, which means there's another 53 episodes that you can listen back to. The great thing is, is you can find ones that you like and you can listen to them again and again and still manage to enjoy them. Um, you can, of course, go and check out our YouTube channel, our Instagram every platform that we're on but the best thing you can always do of course is come into the museum and see us put a face to the name and give us the opportunity to do the same so thank you very much jade thank you deirdre in your absence thank you to all of you listening and goodbye bye, bye. <laughs>